when we're going through school, we aren't told not to trust our instincts, but we are told that we need to follow a process, right? Math is a process. English is a process. And if you're a process person, that works really well for you. But if you're not, you can really struggle in school. And so people who excel at the way school systems were designed do really well. And people who excel in other ways don't and spend a lot of their time in school thinking that they're inadequate or they're not enough. And when we get into business, we get into business and what's the first thing that I heard when I got into business? You know, it's all about the data. You have to go with the data. You know, you're not going to, we're not going to go by instinct or we're not going to trust our instincts. So it sends this message that your instincts are wrong in some way, but they're not. They're part of who you are. Your hard, your instincts are hardwired. In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture, which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivos. Hello, I'm Brian Gorman. Welcome to Conversations. I'm the host of Conversations and a Quantivos coach. And my guest today is Beth Banks-Cohen. Beth is an accomplished organizational consultant, senior executive coach, entrepreneur, and thought leader with more than 25 years of success in the healthcare, pharma, biotech, IT, high-tech, retail, engineering, and manufacturing industries. Regarded by many as the authority on culture, leadership, and change, Beth is a sought-after speaker on key aspects of executing organizational change initiatives that stick. Beth holds a Ph.D. in human and organizational systems from the Fielding Graduate University. Welcome, Beth. Thank you so much, Brian. It's such a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to talk about our topic, but also to talk with you and, uh, and with your listeners today. So our topic is purpose, instinct, and change. First of all, what got you interested in this, what some may see as an array of disconnected topics, and we will talk about how they are connected as well. I think it started with change, actually. I was working in a company, and uh, they asked me to be involved in a project. I was in IT, and they asked me to be involved in a project where they were putting computers out onto the manufacturing floor for the first time. And I went to a meeting and they were talking about how now the floor operators were going to be able to enter all this information into the system. And I sat there listening for a while and I, I just asked one question. I said, are all of your operators literate in English? And people just stared at me. And I said, well, you know, you have a very diverse manufacturing population and I'm sure they're literate, but are they literate in English? literate enough to do all the entering that you say they want to do. And that really started my interest in change because, in fact, they weren't. And we had to go through a whole series of teaching them the English that we needed them to know in order to be able to enter things into the computer. 
And it's not just sort of teaching them the screen and where to put what they really need to know, right? Because they're, first of all, they were manufacturing drugs or devices. I think this was devices. And, uh, and so they really did need to be able to read and understand what they were reading so that they could put it into the system. So it was, it was just a revelation for me about how we think about change and how we think about change when we're the implementer and when we're the implemented upon. And that's really where I got my start really where I got my start in being interested in change. And uh, besides pursuing that PhD, um, along the way, I did a lot of projects having to do with change. And one of the things that I noticed was that we spend a lot of time when we're talking about change in really thinking about sort of the affective part of it, like the impacts on people and how people feel about it and things like that. Sometimes we talk about the cognitive, like, do they read well enough to be able to use the system we're putting out on the shop floor? But for the most part, we really don't talk about the cognitive. We don't really talk about what it's going to take for people to really accept the change because we hire really smart people. And then we say to them, oh, don't worry. We've already talked about all the issues that could be, and this is what we've decided to do. So you should just trust us. But from a cognitive perspective, that doesn't really work for most people. And then we definitely don't talk about the instinct part, right? So I have instincts that drive me. Part of those instincts are usually caught up in the job that I'm doing or part of the job that I'm doing. And so if my job is going to change, maybe my instincts are going to be out of place. And how does that work when you're trying to implement transformational change in a company? So that's sort of how I got involved in the instinct part of it and really understanding the three parts of the mind and the role they take in a a successful change. And then purpose for me is part of what makes people resilient during a change. And I think purpose is critically important because if you don't have that sense of purpose, then it's easy to lose your way. And a company has to have a sense of purpose, right? That's where a company vision comes from. But individuals have to have that sense of purpose as well. And so that's a really long answer to your question about how I got into this. So Beth, I I really want to come back to that instinct because I agree with you. I think that is such a missing piece of how we approach change in organizations. And, And I think it's a missing piece so often, even for how we coach our clients in organizations. It's interesting. I have one client and I have told this story on this podcast before. So if you've heard it, I apologize. But one client who discovered that he was about to lose his best employee because that person was instinctively drawn away from working with people to working with numbers. And he had just assigned that person uh, head of customer care. Oh, my goodness. So very much against his instinct. Now, I think back on my own career and instinctively – It was driven by being a catalyst for change, even before my career started as an undergraduate student. And it was 20 years of doing that before I could put a label on what that instinct was that really pulled me towards certain roles and responsibilities and uh, away from others. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's actually speaks to the crux of the issue, which is, is that when we're going through school, We aren't told not to trust our instincts, but we are told that we need to follow a process, right? Math is a process. English is a process. And if you're a process person, that works really well for you. 
But if you're not, you can really struggle in school. And so people who excel at the way school systems were designed do really well. And people who excel in other ways don't and spend a lot of their time in school thinking that they're inadequate or they're not enough. And when we get into business, we get into business and what's the first thing that I heard when I got into business? You know, it's all about the data. You have to go with the data. You know, you're not going to, we're not going to go by instinct or we're not going to trust our instincts. So it sends this message that your instincts are wrong in some way, but they're not. They're part of who you are. Your hard, your instincts are hardwired. And so you have them, but you spend a lot of time either stuffing them so that you don't act on them or you spend, you spend your time trying to figure out how to balance that life, right? So with that person that you were talking to, that, that employee, like their instinct is to work with the data. That's where they're most productive. That's where like their mind is singing, right? Because that's what they're so great at. And you take that person and you put them in a people job and they can do the job, but everything's going to take them longer. They're never going to feel comfortable. They're never going to feel like they're really having a handle on it. And they will eventually leave because it's completely not what their instinct is, is screaming at them. But we are taught to like stuff our instincts. And I think, I think when it comes to change, it's the same thing. It's like, well, you know, we have the data, the data is going to tell us, you know, that we're going to do it this way. This is the way we're going to do it. This is how we made the, you know, this is the decision that we made based on the data. And oh, yeah, we want to know how you feel about it. But your instincts have no part of the conversation. And I think we need to change that because we have lots of Changes that basically change organizations, but they're so hard and they take so much time and money. And you have to think, is it really worth it? Often it's not. And part of the reason is, is because we change people's jobs. People's instincts are telling them one thing, but the company is telling them to believe something else. So there's always that dissonance. And, uh, and it's incredibly unproductive. People who are working against their instincts, working against their grain, are incredibly unproductive. Beth, let's tie this to purpose. For me, purpose is really, you know, I get out of bed in the morning I and I have, I have something that drives me to want to make a difference in the world, right? So that's my purpose. I want to make a difference in the world. You might want, you know, and your, and by the way, your purpose might change throughout your life, right? If you're a young person and you have a young family to support, your purpose might be to make enough money to support them, right? To keep a roof over your heads, to be able to go on a vacation. And that may be enough purpose for a while. Maybe, maybe not, right? But it's a, it's a purpose. But whatever your purpose is, the most important thing is to know what it is. Often I go into companies and I'll, I'll have a conversation about resilience with people. And I'll say to them, tell me what your purpose is. And they have no idea. They don't know why they get out of bed in the morning. They know they get out of bed. They have to go to work. Life is just a series of tasks that they have to do. But they've never really thought about sort of the larger picture. What's my purpose? And I, I, it always makes me so sad, right? Because having that purpose helps you weather lots of change. And it helps you get through life's difficult moments. Because you have that larger purpose. You have that, you know, you can keep your eye on the prize. Um, but if you don't have that, it's it's part of what makes you not resilient. It's a big part of what makes you not resilient. When you think about sort of any kind of change, even a change where your instincts are being challenged, where your job was one thing, it really took advantage of your instincts and it's changing in some way. So it's not quite the right job for you anymore. But having that purpose, understanding the purpose allows you to move through that in a way that allows you to either 
stay in that job or know that you have to leave and make preparations to do that. But not in a knee-jerk way, in a, oh, I see what they're doing. I understand it. That's where the cognitive comes in. I don't like it. That's the affect. And it's going, it makes me work against my grain, so I feel very unproductive. That's the conative or the instinct part. So I know I have to make a change in some way. But it allows you to do it in a way where you you know your larger purpose. Okay, my purpose is I want to make a difference in the world. Well, I can do that in lots of different places. Or I want to help, I want to help patients get access to better drugs or to better better devices or whatever. And so I, maybe I can't do that in this pharmaceutical company, but I can do it in a biotech company or in another pharmaceutical company or in a device company. And so it's it's that kind of role that purpose plays is that it really does allow you the room to make those decisions in a way that makes sense for you. So you're not quitting a job for no reason. Or if you lose your job, you're not sort of fig- trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do next, right? Because you already know, you already know who you are because you have that sense of purpose. And now you just have to find another place to bring that sense of purpose to. And so it just, it just makes everything calmer at a very simple level. That's how I look at it. I remember reading a study several years ago about housekeepers in a hospital. Mm. There were some housekeepers whose purpose was to clean rooms. They would get the job done by the end of their shift. And then there were those who would get the job done and have time to go visit those patients who didn't have visitors. Or there was a story of one who the first thing she did when she walked into a room was to look at the ceiling. And the researcher said, why are you looking at the ceiling? She said, well, the patients look at the ceiling all day. And those who who would do things like visit those who didn't have visitors or pay attention to those things that, you know, it wasn't empty the trash and clean the sink and, and sweep the floor. It was see what the patient is seeing, see the world through the patient's eyes. They identified their purpose as being healers, not housekeepers. Yes, absolutely. And I think I think that speaks to really understanding the difference between your purpose in life and the purpose of the job that you do. So if you're a nurse, the, your purpose in your job is to make sure patients get their medicine and make sure that they, you know, get pain management and or you know or get their wounds cleaned or whatever it is like that that's your that's your purpose of your job but your larger purpose to be a healer allows you to expand how you think about your job so that it's not just about the mechanical things that you do but it's about sort of the larger the you know the larger world of in this case patients right so it's not just about it's not just about the medicine but it's about how a patient can get better in ways that are intangible. And if you think about it, sort of, you know, you introduce this by talking about you know, people that were in house cleaning, but house cleaning is, in many ways, it's, it's a really great topic, right? Because this is a job, no matter where you do it, right? I was just in a hotel in Boston and I had come from a hotel in Arizona. So I was in a hotel in Arizona, then I went to a hotel in Boston. And in the hotel in Arizona, it was fine my room they whatever but I didn't I, that was all they did they did the mechanical job they did it well but when I got to Boston the person who was the the person who cleaned the rooms on the floor greeted me as if I was a long lost friend and she 
noticed that I drank decaf coffee because I made myself a cup of coffee in the hotel on the first night. And for the rest of the time I was there, she made sure I was supplied with decaf coffee and she noticed that I used the creamer. And so she made sure I had enough creamer. Every day she asked me how my day was. And every day, I mean, she was there all the time. She must work a ridiculous amount of hours, but she was always happy to see me. And it made a huge difference because from my perspective, her purpose was to be part of what made the stay in the hotel wonderful. She was an important person in my experience in that hotel because she was the one I had the most contact with. And it made a huge difference in my stay, in every aspect of my stay. And to me, that's the difference between when you just focus on the mechanics of the job, which when you're a house cleaner, when you're in housekeeping in a hotel, that's a tough job. But she made it a better job for herself because her job was to talk to people. She talked to every single person on the floor that was coming in and out of their rooms. And it, it made it it made it a great, better job for her, but also a better job for us. And so uh, part of being her, really her role was to be part of the welcoming committee. And did she clean my room? Absolutely. But she did a lot more than that. As I'm listening to this sort of more deeply, I'm exploring in my own mind the link between purpose and mindset. Hmm. Because I have a very different mindset if my purpose is to do my job than if my purpose is to make a difference in people's lives, to make that stay the best stay that it can be, to make that lonely patient feel not quite so alone. That's, it takes a different mindset. I really think that you know when you said some people don't connect with their purpose, I've talked with people whose purpose it is is to earn enough money so that they can retire. Mm. And then they'll do what they want to do. Personally, I find that sad because we never know whether we're going to get to that retirement. So living the purpose today means that I'm fulfilled today, not 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years from today. Yes, I totally agree. And I I think for me, knowing what your life's purpose is requires work and it requires a willingness to take into consideration your life as it currently is and whether your purpose and your life are working together or they're not working together. I think people sometimes are afraid of that. They're afraid to really explore, to say, you know, is this really what I should be doing? You know, I know people who have worked in jobs for years that they hate because it puts food on the table and it puts money away for retirement but they just hate it. And for them to sit down and think about their life's purpose, it's scary because I'm pretty sure they know that the answer is this job isn't cutting it for that. And so I think it takes some courage and I think it takes willingness to really sit with it for a while and realize that maybe this job that you have isn't the job for you. I think it's tied to instinct as well. Like I think if if your instinct is to work with data, but you're in a customer job, like you're going to be miserable no doubt in my mind that you're going to be miserable. If your purpose is to bring, if your purpose, really your purpose is to bring data to life or bring information to life to help a company make the best decision possible, and you're sort of taking customer complaints all day, it's it's just not even close to your purpose. And I think people are afraid of that because then they have to change jobs or they have to change careers. And sometimes what they're thinking about doing isn't exactly 
what they had envisioned. That's why, you know, when I work with companies that are going through transformational changes, it's a really important conversation to have because the resiliency of the, of the workforce is going to be one of the factors about whether or not the tra- transformation is going to work or not. And so to be able to help people see how resilient they are, help them see their sense of purpose or find their sense of purpose is important. But for some people, it's too scary to take on. Beth, as we think about purpose, instinct, and change, what else is important for our listeners? I think it is important to really understand the role that instinct plays in how we live our lives. Because even if we're not paying attention to it, instinct is part of who we are and it is part of how we show up in the world. And just because we don't talk about it or haven't talked about it doesn't mean that it's driving you in some way that may or may not be helping you. And so I think it's important to really think about instinct and take it into consideration when you're thinking about change. You know, how will this change change people's jobs? How will this change change the way we we as a company move in the world? How do people's instincts play into that? And one of the things that I do when I work with companies is I I have them think about that and say, okay, which jobs are going to change and how are they going to change? And let's take one job and let's really dissect it and see see what it really does to people. Because changes people's jobs isn't so horrible, right? But changing the instinctive part of the job is. And so if you've attracted people whose instinct is to follow process and to follow the rules, and that's their instinct, and that and you hire them because that's part of who they are. And then you change and to say and say, oh, well, now it doesn't matter anymore. You don't have to follow the rules and you're, we're going to let you have a free process. Well, all of those people that you hired are going to be miserable they're, and they're honestly not going to know what to do. And so being able to talk about that to say, OK, we're, we're fundamentally changing some very specific things that could go against people's instincts. And we need to we need to understand the impact of that. So really talking about, it, I think, is very important. And I think also not forgetting even though it's not so much part of instinct, but really not forgetting about the cognitive as well. It is not enough to just tell people this is the change. Like one of the things from a communications perspective is people say to me, oh, well, we just want you to be able to, you know, tell people what the change is going to be. We need to be really clear about that. And I always say to them, what you need to be clear about is your thought process that got you to this point. Because yes, we want to tell them about the change, but what we really want them to understand is your thought process so that they can come along on the ride with you. And they can decide whether or not they agree with it, but at least they'll understand that you thought about it and that there was a process that went behind it. And so I think I think that's important as well. But the that's an easier conversation. The instinct conversation is harder to have. And so it's really important to have it, to be educated about instinct and the role that instinct plays in job satisfaction, in people's productivity, so that you can take that into consideration when you're making the whole plan. I think an important piece of what people need to know about instinct is it it isn't this woo-woo thing that there's real neuroscience behind it when you walk into a room and it's like i don't like the vibe here that's real that is real yes if you look yes it is totally agree if you look at a job description and think this really sounds like me that's real that's real Instinct is a real thing in our lives. And I would invite our listeners to really reflect as to when they have and haven't followed their instinct in the past. 
and where that has led them to really begin to become more conscious of the unconscious instinct that drives each of us. We've known about instinct since Aristotle, probably before that, but he wrote about it. And I think it's something to really remember is it, it didn't make it into the mainstream psychological world because you couldn't see it, right? And you couldn't, up until the Colby Index from Kathy Colby, you couldn't measure it either, but it's been around forever. And to your point about all of these things, it's not woo at all. I've seen studies of people who, who brainwaves, who's, when they are working in their instinct, those brainwaves are firing on all cylinders. Their brain is working in perfect harmony and really effectively and productively. And then you take them out of that, you make them work against their grain and their brain, it looks like scrambled wires because their brain is incredibly inefficient. So it is, it, it is to your point, real. It's not woo. People need to own that and understand that especially if you're working with change. Beth Banks-Cohen, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Brian. It's been enlightening.